Good morning, everyone. Uh, and also what Nick and Nika was mentioning about the healing, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today in today's passage. Uh, if you can turn to Acts chapter four, we're going to look at uh, verses five through 31. So it's a big portion. We're not gonna read that in the beginning. Uh, we'll just read as we go through the message today. And as many of you guys are facing, some of you guys may be facing some challenges in different circumstances. Uh, my prayer is that in today's message, you will know the power and God's sovereign plan in the middle of those challenges. Okay. My prayer is that you'll be able to know and trust in the power of God to save. And when we know that uh, we will be um, we'll be able to make bold we'll be able to share the gospel with boldness so let's pray father i i ask for wisdom i ask that you would prepare our hearts lord that um you would illuminate your word that we would not just understand your word intellectually, but it would be so part of uh, who we are. We would understand in our hearts and it would change us, Lord. It would cause us to live it out uh, by your spirit, by, by your power. Guide us this morning, Lord. I just pray for living hope. Uh, uh, my family in Frederick, that you would bless the church uh, through your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, driving downtown in Hagerstown, and I saw uh, right by in downtown, there was a large building, and there was a large crowd in front of that building. And I found out that it, um, it was right in front of an abortion clinic. Uh, you know, since 1970s, this is a common scene in front of the abortion clinics. In 1973, there was a landmark Supreme Court case that changed the law of the nation. It was a Roe versus Wade, 1973. Uh, there was a question the court asked, it was before them, does the constitution prohibit law that severely restrict or deny a woman's access to abortion? That was a, qu a question before them uh, in front of the court. After many back and forth arguments and discussions, the Supreme Court judges made their final decision, which has affected the fabric of this nation. Uh, the court concluded that such law violate the Constitution's right to privacy. The court held that under the 14th Amendment due process clause, states may restrict abortion towards the end of pregnancy in order to protect the life of the woman or the fetus. This court case uh, has become a centerpiece in the battle over abortion rights, but in the public and in, in front of the court. This was a crushing case for the pro-life, especially us as Christians. 
uh, in today's passage, there's, uh, there's a similar court case happening. The legal body before them is the powerful Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, let me just give you a little background, is the court or body of elders. Uh, so we can think of them as the Senate and the Supreme Court put together. You have the high priest plus the 70 elders. Majority of the elders are the Sadducees and the minority are the Pharisees in this body. This is the highest body. In a way, they work side by side with the Roman ruling uh, people. It seems that they called an emergency session because uh, as uh, chapter three talks about just a few weeks before or a few weeks, uh, the Jewish way of life has really been shaken. You know, the way of life seems to be changing. Looking back, what is happening during this time has forever changed Israel and also the entire world. First, Jesus gets crucified. Then there are eyewitnesses all saying that Jesus was raised from the dead. Next, the Holy Spirit descends and the new church is born with thousands of people being saved on a weekly basis. Can you imagine the stress, the anxiety, the anger in many of these Jewish leaders? And they also ask the question. Here's a question they asked to Peter and John. By what power or by what name did you do this? This meaning healing the lame man. As a Christian, there may be a day we also may be in a trial in a court or a workplace before our family or friends. They may also ask similar questions concerning our beliefs. In today's passage, Apostle Peter and John will teach us how to answer this question. This is so relevant in our time as Christian, uh, as Christianity is coming under heavy criticism for our belief. I'm so glad uh, Nick and Nika is with us because they may or, or their team members will get similar question. By what power did this healing take place? In today's passage, we'll see the answer to this question in four ways. Remember the question. By what power or by what name did you do this? Here's the answer to the for today's passage. It's only through Jesus change happens. Number one. Number two, it's only in Jesus there is salvation. Number three, it's only in Jesus God's sovereign plan is fulfilled. And it's only in Jesus, God's personal presence is with us. So let us look at the first point. Uh, we will look at Acts 4, 5 through 10. And we'll see that it is only through Jesus change happens. Let, let me read that por uh, portion. Verse 5, on the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem 
with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man standing before you well. And you know, on the next day, the rulers uh, and elders and scribes are all gathered here. And Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, those people, it, I think they're related to uh, the high priest. It doesn't talk a lot about who they are. They're all gathered. A bit of background of what is happening up till this point. Peter and John heals a crippled man in chapter 3. Imagine the setting. At the heart of the Jewish religion is the temple in Jerusalem. Right in the temple, Peter and John heals a crippled person. They preach a sermon and thousands of people get saved. As a result of what they have done, Peter and John gets arrested and put in an overnight jail. The next day, they're in front of this group, the Sanhedrin. This Sanhedrin is the same group that falsely accused Jesus and sent him to Pontius Pilate to be crucified. And verse 7, it says, And when they had set them in the midst, uh, in them meaning the three people, the two leaders of this new movement, Peter and John, and the lame man that was healed. Here comes an important question. By what power or by what name did you do this? This is a great question because we all do things with the motive. The courtroom always wants to get to the heart of the reason for a person doing something. In this case, Peter and John are just simple and powerless fishermen, yet they possess great power and authority. They did an impossible miracle, made a lame man who's 40 years old walk, completely healed. No surgery, no crutches, no medicine. Remember what Peter said in Acts 3, 6. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give it to you, to that lame man. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. These are similar questions Jesus faced when he healed people. The Pharisees were always trying to find out by what power or name did Jesus do all these miracles. When we as Christians do good work in our workplace or towards our neighbor, our prayer should be that 
people may see what we are doing and ask similar questions. Our prayer should be that others may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. If people don't wonder or ask such questions about our work, we should ask an important question about ourselves. Are we doing it for Christ or for other reasons? What is our motive? Here's Peter's answer to that primary question. You know, here's a question. Let it be known to all of you that, uh, here's the answer to that question. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Here, I can see Peter trusting in the power of God to save. And here, he's bold to share the gospel in front of these Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin. Peter's reply with boldness, gives a, he gives a very direct answer without any doubt. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Because during this time in Israel, there were many people by the name of Jesus. But when Peter said Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there is no doubt in anyone's mind who this person is. This is the Messiah prophesied in Psalm 1 and 2. Ask for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask for me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. That's from Psalm 2, 6 through 8. This is the Messiah that was prophesied. Then Peter adds some cherry on top of that response, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Peter is accusing the whole Sanhedrin of crucifying Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. If I were part of that Sanhedrin, that statement would have convicted me deeply. I remember the day I realized I was also part of the group that crucified Jesus. The Holy Spirit taught me that it was my sins that crucified Jesus. We are all guilty of crucifying Jesus. Let us continue. It is in his name that this healing, this man is changed. As we look around, there are countless of people around us that are captive, blind, oppressed. Praise God, he made a way for us to free them, no matter how impossible the situation looks. God is able to bring change through Jesus of Nazareth, like Peter said. Let us continue to read the second point. Uh, this is from verse 11 through uh, 22. Verse 11, then Jesus, this Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. 
and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing that the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had com commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that we may spread it may spread no further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right for you in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you may judge. For we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. The first part, uh, it talks about Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. You know, in Haiti, I have a bit of construction experience. I was the architect and the foreman for all our construction projects. I focus quite a bit of time making sure that we have a good foundation in all our construction projects. Generally, when the foundation is good, the structure of the building and the building itself is good. If the foundation is bad, the entire building is bad. The cornerstone is the most important piece of the foundation in old type constructions. Uh, I have a picture of uh, what that cornerstone looks like. I'll send it to uh, Pastor Albert and uh, he can share with you guys what that looks like. The cornerstone is essentially what holds that building together. So here, Peter is saying that they rejected the cornerstone of their faith. They rejected the Messiah. If they have no cornerstone to their faith, their entire religion collapses. Jesus is the cornerstone that was prophesied from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Malachi. Scholars say that there are more than 350 prophecies fulfilled by Jesus Christ. They have rejected the Messiah, the Christ. If they reject Jesus, they reject God. This is what Peter is saying in the next part. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 12. If they reject Jesus of Nazareth, then there's no other hope. There's no other way for man to be saved. 
Jesus is the only life raft. This is a question every human has to answer. To, uh, they have to, this is probably uh, one of the most offensive to a, a non-believer. People want to hear that there are many paths to heaven and all paths will ultimately lead to God and salvation. That is what people want to hear. One of the things that marks a Christian is the answer to this question. And Peter answers this question for us. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is a declarative statement. As a Christian, this is one of those verses we should memorize because we will get asked this question. And we should have a clear answer to this question like Peter answered. Look at the way Peter trusted in the power of God to save. And look at how he shared the gospel with everyone. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under which heaven, under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. As a Christian, there's only one path that leads to God. And we should know this so deeply in our soul, in our spirit. Uh, under heaven, there's no other way that man will be saved. The reformer summarized it this way. By faith alone, by grace alone, by Christ alone. Hope for a fallen human race lies in one person alone, Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 6. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This was, you know, I do a Wednesday kids service uh, every Wednesday for our church and uh, uh, different people, kids join. And this is one of those Bible verses the kids memorize. So every few weeks they memorize a Bible verse. So John 14, 6, our kids all know this. I'm the way and the truth and the life. There's no other path. There's no other way. There's no other truth other than Jesus Christ. Here's a similar statement that Peter said, and there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let's continue to the next point. Uh, 23 to 28. And here we will see that it's in Jesus alone, Jesus of Nazareth, God's sovereign plan is fulfilled. Verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, 
said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. Peter starts his prayer that way. Here, Peter starts by holding on to God's sovereignty. You know, this should help us see the grandness of our God, maker of heaven and earth. The Greek word here is quite unusual. Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, but uh, when I uh, studied this, it, it talks about uh, absolute master. God's control and power over all things. The same word is also mentioned in Luke 2, 29 and Revelation 6, 10 in a similar way. Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth. This prayer is central to the Jewish people when they pray. Uh, Exodus 20, 11, Nehemiah 9, 6, Psalm 146, 6, and Isaiah 42, 5, just to name a few that help us to see God sovereign over all things. It is a good idea to write or memorize these verses because in the middle of a crisis, we can go to those scriptures for truth and comfort. You know, Cameron can read those Bible verses in the middle of his crisis and know that God is sovereign. Know that our God is sovereign over all things, even our present circumstances. Over the years, I've faced some major crisis. One such crisis was the Hurricane Matthew. We were in Oriani, Haiti, and our region was deeply affected by the hurricane. Most houses are constructed very poorly, and the hurricane just uplifted most of them. Many of the people lost their homes, and they were looking for, uh, looking to us for support. What am I going to do? I felt their pain, their suffering, their loss, but what am I going to do? I'm just a person uh, just like them. I turned to our sovereign God. What brought me peace in the middle of this crisis was to understand that God is sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over this crisis we are facing, just like he's sovereign over all crises. I remember our Lord's word from Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God heard our prayers and we were able to build 20 houses during that crisis time. Our God made a way. Peter continued the prayer, verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father David, 
your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? If those people only understood that our God alone is the true God, he is the omnipotent God. He is the omniscient God. He is the omnipresent God. Well, let us continue. Ver, uh, chapter 4, 29 through 31. And in this point, it is in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, God's presence is with us. And now, Lord, here's uh, Peter continuing to pray. Look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all, all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together were shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What a beautiful prayer. They understood their godly purpose, the reason for existence. Look at how they prayed. They did not pray not, uh, to protect uh, the threats or persecution from the leaders. They prayed for boldness to speak about Jesus. This is exactly what Peter did earlier when he had a chance to speak before the Sanhedrin. Just after the Holy Spirit came upon all the people or just after the, after the healing, he took that opportunity to speak the gospel message. God answered this prayer. Look at the next part. A while, a while back, our family was having a, a dinner table conversation and one of my kids asked a question. Why do we pray in Jesus' name every time? Why do we finish the prayer uh, with in Jesus name. I told the kids that the Bible showed us because of what Jesus did on the cross, paying for our sins, open, uh, gave us an access to God. Matthew 27, 51 says this, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Jesus made a way for us to have access to the Holy of Holies. This was my reply to the kids. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can boldly come before the throne of God. When we say, in Jesus' name, we come to God through the way Jesus made for us. It is in Jesus we have the presence of God with us, his people. In closing, uh, I want to uh, look at some of the examples here in Luke 4 concerning the centrality of Jesus Christ. Now, in the near future, we may get asked similar question. By what name or by what power did you do this or that? 
my prayer is that we'll be able to be bold enough to speak the truth. My prayer is that we'll be able to trust in the power of God to save. This is going to uh, embolden us to share the gospel message. You know, as we looked at today, you know, it said four things. It is only through Jesus change happens. It's only through Jesus their salvation. It is only in Jesus God's sovereign plan is fulfilled. It is only in Jesus God's presence is with us. And in you know, verse two, uh, verse twelve. Let me read that as we close. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved.